Coming up on the program, Roland Emmerich's latest disaster porn epic, Moonfall, which proves the age-old adage from Spinal Tap, there's a fine line between clever and stupid. Kind of like this podcast. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hello there, listener. Welcome to episode 220 of the Magnificent Huge Podcast. This is Chris. This week, along with Eric and Brian, well, you're joining us for a doozy because we're going to talk about one of our favorite schlocky filmmakers, Roland Emmerich, uh, who's been at it for 30-some-odd years now, done Independence Day 2012, Day After Tomorrow, Stargate, the awful Godzilla movie. Mid- I mean, he's just done a ton of movies that involve earthly disaster of one form or another. Full disclosure, Eric loves his movies. Uh, 2012 is probably one of his top two. I don't know what the other one would be, so let's just call it the top movie uh, that he loves. And Brian and I are sort of in or out, depending on the flick. But we do appreciate a good earthly destruction uh, movie, and so these have got him in spades. And so his latest epic is called Moonfall, featuring Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson, the guy from Game of Thrones who played the Sam or something from the I don't know. Brian watches that, I know. Uh, but it's uh, an epic wherein the moon is uh, not real. It's uh, what they call a megastructure. Aliens are involved. It's hurling towards Earth. There's all kinds of destruction. And, uh, you know, they got to save the day before everybody dies. It's a totally cut-and-paste Roland Emmerich movie just with different stuff. That's just bad shit. Crazy, uh, which is what we enjoy about it. Or did we? We're going to discuss, because uh, some of us liked it, some of us didn't, and some of us uh, liked it and didn't at the same time. So you'll have to find out. But uh, if you like what you hear on the program, reach out to us, magnificenthuge at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, at MagHuge. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, Magnificent Podcast. You can reach out to us uh, via our website, uh, maghuge.com. But you can reach out to us at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, iTunes, if that's a thing. Is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, you know, whatever. You know where to find it because you're listening to it right now. And uh, we hope you just uh, send us some good vibes, rate the program highly, and uh, enjoy the program. Uh, so without any further ado, uh, we're going to get dumber by the minute by watching Moonfall. What it is. Hey, kids. What it was. This is Eric. And I'm magnificently huge. Hey, Eric. This is Brian. <laughs> Are you magnificently it's huge? It's and I am magnificently huge. Uh, this is Chris. I'm just sort of medium. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Boy, they're so uh, glad they're listening to, the to us now. Let's let's hit the action. Yeah. What have you guys been up uh, to? Yes. Oh, you well. mean the, the fresh shit? Yes. This shit is fresh. I got a bunch of fresh shit. We got to get this moving. I'll, I'll go. Okay. All right. Go. You go. Um, so went to the uh, movies and saw a, a movie that was not part of some big dumb cinematic universe franchise. It was The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and uh, Channing Tatum. That looked oh. oddly interesting. 
I, I, I was watching it like that's something I totally would not like to see, but you know, somehow I want to see that. It, it looked like a, a riff on Romancing the Stone. Yeah, it is. Romance. It is an inverted Romancing the Stone. Okay. Okay, so like, it's literally like, and Sandra Bullock is sort of quietly in the background clearing a path for actresses to follow and has been for years, right? But she produced this thing. She stars in it. She looks great. She's she's, but she's doing the thing where you've got the action movie, but the guy is the damsel. The guy is the one with the nude scene. The guy is the one who's the pretty one, and and she is sixteen years older than him, yeah. right? So um, it works. I mean, yeah, it works when it's Channing Tatum, I guess, right? It, yeah, it works when it's Channing Tatum. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is in this as our villain. Who is playing? I read that and it made me laugh. Uh, yeah, he's playing this like really rich guy who is um, after this hidden treasure to show up his his younger brother who inherited everything. Uh, he's just a total prat. And then Brad Pitt shows up and is just awesome. Um, well, uh, yeah, apparently he and Bullock sort of did a tit for tat trade off on that. So he he did this, and she's going to do a small part in Bullet Train. And that was yeah. like their whole bullet train looks so good. Have you <laughs> yeah. seen the trailer for Bullet Train? Yeah, and and it and it wasn't supposed to be a comedy apparently, but Brad Pitt showed up and said, "This is totally a comedy." And then it became a comedy. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I'm so there for Bullet Train. That yeah. might be my most anticipated movie this summer. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah, Lost City. I mean, it is it is what they you know what they advertise it to be. It is a, a riff on Romancing the Stone, mm-hmm. and it's light, frothy, fun romp through the jungle. Um, you remember when they used to make those all the time and it wasn't a big deal and now it's yeah. sort of like it's it's a big deal because they don't make them. Yeah, it's, it's a so throwback. Strange. Yeah. I I wouldn't even think of it as a big deal. It's exactly as big a deal as it was back then. Okay. <laughs> um and it's fun. I you know, it's definitely worth a watch when it comes to streaming or something. Uh it's it's good stuff. Okay. Would you um, did it change your life? Would you not uh, at all? Was it better than cats? Would you watch everything it again? is better than cats? My God, <laughs> have you seen cats? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. No, I didn't. Great performance um, in a bad film, Judy Dench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, are but, we are we linking to the previous episode? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I've been thinking about that all week since last week when we did that show. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> They're just festering. It was just eating away at you, I can tell. Yeah. Okay. Oh well. Dame Judy um, Dench. But while while we're yeah. doing throwbacks while we're doing throwbacks, I have some music stuff for you guys. Um okay. there is a new Men Without Hats album. Shut up. Um Did they f- it's they called didn't... Men Without Hats Again Part Two. <laughs> there was a part one where they were basically doing rearrangements or cover rearrangements of their own songs or covers okay. this is not that this is part two which is all new material yeah and we still haven't found our hats no they have no idea I, actually i think they've deliberately avoided hats they they okay. seem to be pretty not anti-hat okay. um but um it's their best album since pop goes the world um it's it's really really solid um when was Pop Goes the World? That was like... 1990? Yeah, like 32 <laughs> years ago. So yeah. I guess good for them? Maybe? No, okay. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's upbeat. It's 
enjoyable. He's, you know, it's got some cynicism laced in and some sadness laced in, as did the Pop Goes the World album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just play a little track here called the If the World Should End Today. It's just a fun little, um, fun little love song. When I first laid eyes on you. Check it out. It's and got then, a good beat, and you can dance to it. Yeah. Um, and then last night went and I've never seen this band live, so it was kind of on the list of bands I got to see live. I went and saw Journey, and the opening act was Toto. Um, <laughs> good God. Nice. What are you? What? How old are you, man? That's like I'm slightly younger than you, Chris. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you like full on embraced your middle age, and it's great. I appreciate it, that about you. I I am living my best life. I now have the the freedom and the money to do this shit, and I'm doing it. Yeah. Um. So somehow Journey is still selling out stadiums. Like this was at the hockey stadium. Like this is a big audience. Um, some somehow Journey is still that big, yeah. Um, but they, do they have, so do they still have that yeah. uh, that Filipino kid who's like still trying to yeah, escape? Yeah, kills. Does he have like yeah, and he has like a, a steel shackle around his ankle so that he can't run? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. mean, here's the thing. He's this guy has so much energy. Like, I don't know if he's just doing lines in the back or something, but like. He's he somehow is just able to run around and jump around this huge stage and jump keep around. playing the crowd and hit jump these around. very high note high notes. Um, it's the same lineup they've had since they brought him on, so it's the same everybody, and it's also kind of the same set they've had since they brought him on. Um, <laughs> which is to say, <laughs> it's really good, and the entire set list is like hit 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 oh, hit. Oh yeah. I would, um, I would never fault anybody for liking Journey. It's like one of those bands that you can shit on so easily from the late seventies, early eighties. But by God, they get the job done. Yeah, I will just I, yeah. every every like every album has got at least ha- like half of its good songs that you can just hum along with, and you know they're anthemic. So yeah, I would I would say Journey is yeah. tops, and they're designed for being played in stadiums. I think the problem we have here is that they. C- I think the band is called Journey because they just tour constantly. Like, to at least a couple of their big hits are songs about how they fucked up their relationships by being on the road all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And and uh, 
the thing is that like that guy's been playing the same exact guitar solo for 40 years right who <laughs> neil Schoen? yeah yeah okay and and he plays it fantastically they're, they're all just really really great musicians but it's so dialed in that it lacks a groove sometimes yeah. like they don't lock in as yeah. musicians there's interestingly when they do decide to kind of let loose a little bit and they'll do it on on songs you wouldn't Charisma, like love and touch and squeezing, because it's just a blues song, right? They 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 allowed themselves a little bit of leeway, and that song clicked. Yeah, they they uh, you know they don't play with backing tracks because there's plenty of them, right? And they've got all those harmonies, and they're a tight, tight band. Where they were really let down was not by the band. The band showed up and did their thing. They were let down by the light show and the audio mix. Um, so audio mix first. I don't know about you, but one of the things that I really love about seeing a, a rock band live is when the kick drum hits it just hits you in the sternum you know just like doing your chest you feel it right, right. and there there was just no thump to this thing it, it didn't punch you hard enough well maybe um, they were worried that too many old people were watching in the crowd and they didn't want it to. maybe <laughs> that being said the audio mix was really clear and for a band that has all kinds of instruments and lots and lots of vocal harmonies that you could pick them all out yeah. You know, they did a great job making a clear mix. It was just safe. Um, okay. The light show, however, was inexcusably lame. <laughs> like, you are in a stadium, and your light show is worse than Toto's. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay? Well, I have like, no context for that, having never seen Toto, but I'm going well, to imagine Toto, now. The thing is that Toto was the band that played on the same stage right before Journey, mm-hmm. and probably has the same lighting director... So I know he knows how to do the lights. So he just phoned he it just in. Didn't <laughs> do it at all. It's good enough for Toto fucking journey. You're I, gonna get the same uh, light show. I don't care. Give me a so, C, a bouncy C. I mean, you get that. So guy. here's the thing: Toto kicks ass live, dude. <laughs> I mean, their songs are ridiculous, but they're all solid studio musicians, and that's how that band got formed. So they know yeah. how to write a song. And I, they had shit. a lot more hits than I than I thought oh, they yeah. did. They, yeah. Their set was solid. Like and anytime Toe the Line comes on, I always forget mm-hmm. for like three milliseconds that that was a Toe song. Yeah, they they went like second on that one. They just yeah. they just came out swinging. Um, so this version of Toto, I mean, yeah, two or three of the original guys, and then like the the rest are session players, and they're like ridiculous session players. So the keyboardist was the guy who was playing on the last Prince tour, and yeah. their drummer was Snoop Dogg's music director for like a decade, and these guys groove. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that none of that made sense. I like it's like word salad that just came out of your mouth, but <laughs> I don't understand. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Toto was Toto was surprisingly good. Um, you know, I'm watching them and I'm like, if if this band was on that '80s cruise, it would be the band everybody talked about, like easily. They were so good. So my guess is they played all the hits. Like you can't. Oh yeah, they played all the hits. Like did they did they play ninety nine? That's like one of their pseudo hits. I I I don't know that one by name. Ninety nine. Ooh. Yeah. It's literally. I don't. They might have played every hit, but that one. I don't know. Too bad. Um. But yeah, they played. They played toe the line. Um. They played the hell out of Rosanna. Yeah. And of course they closed with Africa, right? Cuz what are you going to do? And and you know what? That dude can still hit the high notes just fine. Yeah. Oh, fun fun bit of trivia they told us on the show. I guess the son of the guitarist for Toto is marrying the daughter of one of the guys from Journey. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's like the 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 Capulets and the That's what that is. It's like so, so the thing about Toto is I don't want to listen to their music, the studio version. I don't want to listen to the recorded versions because it's just straight down the middle of the 80s corporate adult contemporary cheese with a touch of prog rock kind of trying to escape. Yeah. But live, that actually totally works live. Because <laughs> um, it's can just you, all musicianship. Can you actually make out the lyrics to Africa when they sing it live? Oh, yeah. Okay. Again, like... The audio mix was was really crystal clear, except for the lack of punch. Okay. Um, so yeah, totally recommend seeing Toto. If Toto and Sticks were to be a double build, that would be the shit. Um, oh God. Oh, I'm telling you, Sticks is great live. Anyway, so yeah, that's my fresh shit. Music, music, music. That's amazing. It's all about the experience, not the stuff. That that's basically it. You're. You're grabbing life by the throat, Brian. I, I am, you know <laughs> what? When I have any downtime, the depression eats me, and I'm either playing Elden Ring or I'm going to a concert. That's pretty much what's <laughs> up. So it's like, okay, we're just going to run out there and burn it all. I dig it. And if Toto doesn't bring you down, then nothing will. That's it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Toto. God. Uh, that yeah. was old people you- music when it was new. Uh, yeah. it, it, it was, and it was so fun. Uh, <laughs> you may think I'm talking about Toto from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. But Do you think they named the band after the dog from Wizard of Oz? Do you uh, think that's why it's called Toto? That'd be yes. like naming your band R2-D2, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just a bad name. Well, it seems most it, musicians in are in four or five bands, and then one of them accidentally hits. And I think, I think a lot of the time, yeah, they... They picked a name, a dumb fucking name out of a hack. Yeah. You know what? This band's going to fall apart too, but let's see where it gets us. And, you know, yeah. next thing you know, it's, you're famous. It's always a case of, yeah, Rob Torkelson's Armada featuring Herman Mendelchuk. 
That's literally what you get. Wet leg. This, this explains <laughs> this explains wet leg and Mott the Hoople. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway. <laughs> well, uh, Mott the Hoople was this. They, they lifted that straight from Monty Python. So good on. Oh, them really? For that. Okay. Yeah. That's that's from. I don't a, know. That's from an Eric Idle sketch. So yeah. Uh, know know your bands, so, Brian. Know your bands. Yeah. I, I, you'd think I was the one who knew. Fresh shit. You guys got any? Yeah. Do you do you want to follow Toto, Eric, or or do you want me to follow Toto? I I want you guys to watch a TV show. All right. I want you to put this in your lineup. If you haven't uh-huh. watched it, you know. If you have watched it, obviously you don't have to watch it again. Uh, okay. On Hulu, a show called The Great, which is a not entirely yes. true. Uh, telling of Catherine the Great in the Russian court, and it it's, is so well done. Considering there are yeah. only like four sets, it is so well done. Um, it's, hmm. I've I've only seen the first season. I haven't done second season yet. Yeah, but, uh, I just finished the first fun. season. And um, it, what's his name? Holt, uh, the the guy who plays Peter the Third, Nicholas Nicholas, Nicholas Holt, Holt is so yeah. fucking good. I see him everywhere now. He, at first, he was yeah. just that guy from uh, X-Men First Class, but then he shows up in Mad Max. He shows up in this, and he is so Rick Mayall. He's a actor. Yeah, he, is, yeah, yeah. he, he, he does he's... the full Rick Mayall in this, where he's a child who is destructive, and it's funny. Elle Fanning is Catherine, and she's very um, innocent coming into this court thinking things are going to be great and they're not yeah. and nope starts plotting her takeover and the the, the, yeah. the amount of historical shit in this that's wrong is huge there's a ton of shit yeah. that's wrong but it doesn't well, yeah. matter as a piece of <laughs> it's, drama it's great it's and i think it's based on a play or some sort of yeah. uh non-filmic material but basically it's a very anachronistic take on the rise of Catherine the great Right, and they the character that gets me is the the woman who's the the handmaid who used to be part of the aristocracy. Yeah, but but her dad fucked up, and so oh god, the way he fucked up, it's like I did not see that coming. When it happened, I was like, (gasps) yeah, oh, yeah, it's like it's rare that something just catches you like that, where you're like, oh, that's fucked up. So yeah, so yeah, so her punishment from the king is to be a handmaiden. So she's just this seething ball of hate from the get go, and it's so funny to just watch her. Just like, is she gonna kill somebody? Like, is this scene where she's gonna kill somebody? And it's just that kind of vibe every time she's on. It's so hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a good time. And there are all sorts of scheming characters. There's the uh, the priest who is trying to keep the uh, the church. Uh, running things and he doesn't like Catherine because she's all about modernity and bringing russia into you know the new world uh yeah which is actually something peter the great had already done and peter the great's not peter the third's dad it's it's a whole thing it like like the, the reality of some of this stuff it's like no that's not quite right but that's okay because i hear jason isaacs plays peter the great and i can't wait to see that because he's fucking awesome Mm, right uh, right but yeah i uh yeah i i highly recommend this show and it don't it cost nothing good. well unless you're you know getting a hulu subscription yeah you don't need but. it you can just watch their very bad commercial <laughs> you can go pee or have a snack and then come back and watch the show yeah that's true <laughs> no i agree it's good i so have you sung the second season yet or no uh no i i haven't gotten to the second season yet Okay, yeah, because it just came out like I don't know a month or so ago, but I haven't. And the uh, 
They did get renewed for a third season. So, you know, this is not something where you're you're jumping on a sinking ship by watching this show. It's still going and it's just great. There are side characters that develop. I think that's my new mark of a show that's worth watching is when it's not just a main character doing stuff. It's right. Everyone in it has an arc and it is great watching them go off in these different weird directions. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it is. Good choice. You know, Peter the third only was only King for like, I think 60 days. This, this thing takes place over the course of years and it's like Catherine came in and got the fuck rid of him fast. <laughs> well, you almost have to, but yeah. yeah, I like, but I do like the liberties that they take with the history just to move the plot along. Oh yeah, me too. So, I, I, I mean, yeah, the, the, it's, oh yeah, it's also a multicultural cast, even though it's yeah. Moscow. And well, I love that too, yeah. because it's like, look, we're not taking none of this shit seriously. So why not cast some uh, uh, black actors, some Asian actors? Why not? Who cares? Yeah. Well, that and the, I think the reason Brian should watch it for the most part is because the, the music is not diegetic at all. It's like the episodes will end and you'll get like a, like a post-punk anthem or something. Yeah. Credits. And so it's it, it very, very much them going, this is, I mean, it's kind of history, but it, it's not. Yeah. History. It's just, we're, we're modern people making a costume drama. The yeah, exactly. Way we feel like it. Exactly. Yeah. Basically. It's okay. funny. I'm watching Only this. It's funny. And I keep going, God, where are all the grownups? That's how old I am. I'm like, how are, how are all these children running this court? And then the show ends with the buzzcocks. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm oh, old. Yeah, yeah. I'm old. Yeah. Well, bravo. Yeah. Bravo. So see it. All right. What else? What else? That's it. That's Chris. all. That's it. Uh, Freshen up our shit. Go. Uh. Well, I got a book for Eric that I would recommend, and I know you don't you don't like novels, Brian. Yeah, so we're you, now at the point of Brian's not going to read. Yeah, so, you, so, yeah. <laughs> so you, you can just fuck right off. But uh, this one is definitely up Eric's alley. Uh, it's an apocalyptic uh, Doom Times Ooh. tale uh, by a guy named Chuck Wendig, who has a bunch of different novels out, but he's also notable for doing some of the like the Star Wars novels like Star Wars Aftermath or something. But this is his version of The Stand by Stephen King. It's basically, uh, it starts where a comet shoots past Earth and then a bunch of weird shit starts happening to people. This where they wanderers? suddenly turn into Yeah, okay. wanderers. Uh, and people just sort of turn into randomly uh, like sleepwalkers, like where they're just, they're just voids and they just start walking and become a herd. Right. And everybody starts freaking out, and then there's all the people around them that are trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, and the CDC gets involved, and it becomes this like uh, weird apocalyptic thing. <laughs> and it's just so strange, because it's not like the, the stand by Stephen King, where it's like Captain Trips, where a virus thing. It's literally like people just turn into like these weird blank walking puppets overnight. Yeah. And then it's like the fallout from that where the, their families and loved ones are like, what in the hell? I just want them back. But if they try to stop them from doing anything, like they literally just explode. Uh, I mean, it's just the weirdest. It's like very horrifying, but at the same time, kind of like, what in the hell am I reading? Yeah. Uh, and it's very engaging because you get like uh, the whole political thing in the background. And Wendig's very good about sort of weaving in all of the, the modern horrors 
about like talking heads on like Fox News and stuff. Uh, and it's, then it's like, been on my reading list. It's like it's, it's there good. with like the Immune and the Gone World and all the other sort of apocalypse yeah, books yeah. that I love. It's yeah, like I've so I've it, had I've had uh, you know the war in Eastern Europe this month to entertain myself with. So I haven't gone back <laughs> yeah. to it, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I'm only about I don't know maybe a third of the way through because I just started reading it about a week or so ago, but it's it's pretty it's a fat book so be right prepared on. to spend some time on it but uh but it definitely up your alley because I, I will you, put it like i will put it up on top of the list move it up yeah. move it up. with a bullet uh <laughs> <laughs> uh so that's taking some time the only other thing i watched recently and i just and brian you had brought it up not too long ago is the uh the kenneth Branagh version of death on the nile oh okay and, and what what do you think uh I just, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't like it. I just, Brana is just doing weird things with the Poirot movies that uh, are off-putting. Like, he does the whole, like, backstory for the first 15 minutes. Uh, the backstory of his mustache. Yeah, yes. of his mustache. And it's like, <laughs> it's just totally unnecessary. It's like, why is this even here? You know, as a person whose reaction to the mustache was, "Why is this even here?" I actually kind of appreciated it. Uh, it's just you don't need it. Part of the fun of Poirot is that he's just got the goofy mustache. Is it to throw people off and make them think he's a clown? Is he just that vain? I mean, it's like you never really get the full gist of it through the the normal character. Okay. But here he's very explicit. It's like he saw the his colonel die in World War One. Uh, through what he feels is his own negligence, even though it's not his fault. And then the guy had a big mustache, so he uh, gets a bunch of shrapnel in the face, and so Poirot grows the big goofy mustache to hide the scars on his face. It's like, you don't need that information. That just totally changes the character. And then you get into the whole like soul music and R&Blues music and whatever that's not in the book, uh, just because he wants to update it with some some sort of modern take on culture and race relations and such and it just detracts from the story overall so what you get is basically just a bunch of uh people who are uh suspects but it doesn't really gel around anything it's just it's so so more involved with how it's looking than how it's portraying anything as as far as a mystery because it looks great it's Mm. like you know it's it's glossy it's you know hollywood uh, but it's just empty at the center, just totally. So I, I think that the difference between our experiences here is that I wasn't familiar with the original, right? I knew it existed. I've not seen any of the adaptations or read the book. Yeah. So this was my first exposure to it. And yes. and so maybe what I'm getting out of it is whatever is left of Agatha Christie on its way to this version. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. They, they took a lot of shortcuts. Uh, I just didn't care. And Emma is, Mackey. Emma Mackey as the spurned girlfriend yeah. eats the screen every time she's on screen. It took me forever to figure out that she's the girl from Sex Education, uh, like the main actress, because uh, she doesn't look anything like herself from that show. Because uh, she's got like in this one, she's got like the the 20s vibe and the whole thing. Uh, but the rest of the cast is very problematic. And that was probably the other reason that I had a hard time with it. Uh, oh, were you struggling to look past the the real world Army Hammer yeah. and Russell Brand stuff? <laughs> yeah, uh, for starters, and you know Gal Gadot has not shown herself to be uh, on par with 
normal people. Us, <laughs> us, Gal, you know, Gal Gadot like, is also not showing herself to be an actress. Yeah, uh, but anyway, <laughs> so it was just uh, like the I was like eighty two ish, eighty one or eighty two. The Peter Ustinov version of this uh, when they used to do like the star studded casts, yeah. so you get like like actual names. Uh, that one is so much more fun because it's just it, it it knows what it is and it doesn't try to make like a big dour backstory for those Poirot. all felt like tv movies though i well yeah i, and I like seeing charm. these because you know frankly i think kenneth branagh is such an interesting director well yeah and I see, again this looks great it's just it's a hollow bonbon it just there's no reason for it to exist mm-hmm. other than somebody said hey we haven't done a agatha christie movie in like 40 I, years let's uh, just I, I will say i as vanity adaptations go i'll take these over the guy ritchie sherlock holmes crap any day but uh, i i, I honestly see, I want... though i have a feeling that when uh 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 kenneth branagh made thor kevin feige said to him you gotta get yourself a franchise you know go find something <laughs> yeah, out there yeah, nobody yeah. is <laughs> nobody's milked to death and just like fucking do that well uh, he's yeah. been trying right he did he did that artemis foul thing yeah. <laughs> yeah we had this discussion when brian brought it up too but yeah he's yeah. done that he's done the jack ryan thing i mean it's right just, he's he's been trying he's this for a while yeah he's a director in search of a franchise and i think he finally just said <laughs> fuck it He's like, I'm going to do what I did with Shakespeare. I'm just going to bulldoze my way in here, and I'm going to take the juiciest <laughs> fucking role, and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. I mean, that's literally it. Right. Because so. I'm buddy fucking Holly. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's just, I don't know. It it, it got the, the story beats right, but they were just slightly off. It Just nothing about it gelled for me, and I was just sort of disappointed. I liked Murder on the Orient Express much better as a hmm. movie. Uh, than this, and so I shudder to think if they give him another fifty jillion dollar budget to make another one, what it would be like. I I don't know. I would like to see him do, and then there were none. I think that would be fun because that's the one where it's the strangers all wind up on this remote island in the is that ten English little Indians? Sea. Yeah, ten little Indians is the the Americanized version of it. Ah, uh, but they they wind up getting bumped off one by one, and they don't know who's doing it and so it's like the whole thing is just this like almost a ghost story that one would be fun i could see brana doing hmm. that so uh i'll just throw that out there but otherwise nah nothing Ugh. didn't care for it <laughs> so. All right. and that's the fresh shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i was uh needless to say very disappointed when i decided to say hey let's do moonfall because uh if you follow disappointment with even more disappointment uh you ultimately get disappointed okay. you are so out of your the- mind that's <laughs> all i will say let's this talk about oh awesome. my god oh, oh yeah god. oh moonfall oh, it's, is, it's juicy okay so <laughs> the, the the hold on i want to I set the stage a little bit right like so First of all, very early in the show, we did a show on the Hurricane Heist, which was just such a stupid ass movie, and, and we just loved reviewing it. And we've been looking yes. for what's the <laughs> next one? What's yeah. the next one? Right, the, the Moonfall. The first teaser came out and took itself way too seriously. It's like Roland Emmerich is going to destroy some shit again, and it's super serious. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, don't care. Yeah, and then the second trailer comes out, and it's like, okay, Roland Emmerich is going to destroy some shit again. And it's bug fucking insane. Yes, and I'm yeah. like, 
Roland <laughs> Emmerich thing. is just the fucking master of disaster films. He made the greatest film of all time. I don't mean Citizen Kane. I don't mean Eight and a Half. I mean 2012, where he destroys <laughs> the world. It's. Yeah. It, it, I just. I am down for any time he wants to wreck some shit. Well, but here's the thing: is you watch Moonfall, and if you've seen any of those movies uh, and have any affection for them which I don't have near as much as you do, Eric. Uh, I don't cut them near as much slack, but they're entertainments, pure and simple. But if you've seen all of his other stuff and you watch this, you're like, he's just phoning this shit in. God <laughs> damn it. Because it's what really I- like, peace from here, peace from here, slap it all together with some weird razor-thin plot, and then, you know, just destroy the Earth. I, okay, this is, this this, is, uh, the, the idea is that the moon, oh, and this is all based on... Uh, uh, theories and you know conspiracies that go back decades the moon is an artificial object uh and people have thought that for no art like artificially made people have said for a long time one it it always faces the same side always faces the earth you know it it doesn't rotate on its own it is magically perfectly aligned to give us a solar eclipse uh yeah it's like Mm -hmm. all this stuff that's like we don't know what the dark side looks like because obviously there's no light. Uh, this this presumes yeah. that it was put there to seed the earth with uh, life, and that an an AI that destroyed the culture that created it has been hunting for us all this time, and now has found the moon, and yeah. is like gearing it up it's, so it can kill us. Yeah. And it puts the earth. It puts the the best. The the best part of this is the the moon getting uh, popped out of its orbit and getting closer and closer and closer. Moon fall, and the fact that (laughs) every time it comes over the horizon, gravity is like lessened because because you're like fighting between the two gravities. It's so funny and so like stupid and so great. It's. (laughs) <laughs> it's very 50s B movie. I yeah! like to do that. It's yeah. Roger Corman but, uh, if he was given like a dream budget. Yeah. Well, yeah, if Roger Corman is, got a dream budget, Ro- of course, he'd have made 300 different small shitty films. But this is yeah. like that level. But, and this you know, is, I don't think the effects were on par with previous ones. It seems like he did. Yeah. Somebody, some, he got somebody new who wasn't either as good with it or too good with it. Because there's some parts uh, that look well, like they're models. They're, this is like Roland Emmerich is like, what if what if Armageddon, but it's even stupider? Well, this like, is this is my yeah exactly. This is my first. I'm like halfway through it, uh, and I'm like Roland Emmerich's Moonfall makes Michael Bay's Armageddon look like Stanley Kubrick's 2001. <laughs> that's my bag. That's my to buy line for it because I, it's it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But it's going, it, the yeah. thing is though, it's like yeah, it's dumb, but it's 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 such a charming dumb. It's like Armageddon was bombastic and uh, I'm supposed to take these people seriously and they're they're acting like this is high drama and no this is we're going to take a space shuttle and we're going to fly it into the fucking moon and they have like you know up they have a plan it's a harebrained plan they they come up with it out of nowhere and they take a space shuttle out of mothballs and everything happens on an accelerated pace but I don't care yeah it's so much fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> and that's yeah. just the thing. You have to be willing to like 
go with this one, right? Like, you have to be willing to go with the moon is hollow and made by alien AIs and wants, you know, wants to come get us, and that three people can hijack a mothballed space shuttle and launch it during, like, a cataclysm where the gravity is all fucked up. That was cool. None of it works at all from a, like, does this make sense perspective. This is just straight up... One of Are the well, one of the highest grossing going, films, you know? one of the last highest grossing films of the last decade was about toy robots that come to life from being like cars and shit. So yeah. I, I don't think it's fair to necessarily judge it on that level. It's like, well, yeah, none saying, of the shit You're not possible. willing to go there. If you're oh, not yeah. willing to go there, you're going to have Chris's experience. If you well, are, you're going to have Eric's Yeah, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, here's where I get bogged down, is that he spends the first... It's like a two-hour and, like, ten-minute movie or some ridiculous... Like, it's, it's 40 minutes longer than it needs to fucking be, for one thing. Uh, but he spends the first hour, like, setting up all these interpersonal relationships, and he does, like, the full Roland Emmerich, like, Independence Day 2012, whatever. Yeah, it's a disaster and movie. It, and... And then he just sort of uh, like ignores all of that to turn it into like this. Let's go into space and kill some aliens thing. But it's just the three of us, and it's like it. I literally like halfway through. I'm like, is this movie? That's almost over, right? And I look. I'm like, I've only been watching this for 55 minutes. I'm like, oh god, <laughs> just shoot me in the fucking head. And then you get like all of the the shenanigans with them like having to launch the shuttle, and they they somehow understand our technology so they have to do something that's like 30 years old because somehow that is not noticed i mean it just none of it made any sense to me because probably because i tuned out some of it but right. uh explain it to me why that was a thing because i honestly don't remember and i don't get why they well we don't have any rockets so we had to do you know what all we had on hand was a space shuttle i agree okay. they, they they geared that thing up pretty fast uh Especially considering yeah. half the country was in ruins, but yeah, they they they, <laughs> they pulled it out of mothballs. They didn't yeah. have anything else, you know. Yeah. Uh, the the idea is the aliens will attack anything where they they see an electrical signal, which means you know it's artificial, and has something alive in it, which means you know people right. it needs to kill. So okay, that's yeah the idea is that they're okay. going to take the Chinese moon rover. They're they're gonna power it off. They're gonna stick a uh, an EMP bomb in it, and, and get the alien to attack it, and then hit the EMP and shut it off because this yeah. alien is really just you know okay. uh, nanites. It's a big collection well, of nanobots. Well, then let me ask you this: Does a movie like that need a budget of one hundred and sixty million dollars? I don't know, but I, I'm glad it did because it looked awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, now. It would cost $160 million, and I think worldwide to date, it has made like $40 million or something. Do you think Roland well, Emmerich I, even cares? That's, like, that's a pandemic thing, first of all. You I mean, cannot blame that on pandemic. Bo- like, if this was non-pandemic, nobody would be going to this except you and Eric. That's literally what would be happening. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think box office totals are generally deflated until very recently but also let's see um, it's like what it's april 10th it came out in china march 25th it hasn't really had time to build i think it'll make more well i mean if you look at his uh output just to put it into perspective uh because let's be real emmerich has not really had a big boffo movie since 2012 
like the the gemstone of his oeuvre. Uh, and so in that interim time, he's had White House down, which I think was hurt by the other White House diehard. Yeah, Olympus has fallen yeah. or whatever. Uh, then he's then he did the sequel to Independence Day that nobody asked for. Right. Uh, and he, then he did Midway, which was again, actually pretty great, good. But actually yeah, pretty good. I like that. It's it's fun, but at the same time, they took a few liberties. Not a uh, lot. Not a lot. But uh, have, have have we realized that maybe he's better with Dean Devlin? Is that is that where you're going that's, with this? That is exactly where I'm going with this. It's sort of like uh, the early Emmerich movies as dumb as they are, are so much fun. And I feel like there's just no fun left in the gas tank. Cause I watch this. I'm like, he's trying to be fun. Yeah. Uh, and it just seems like somebody trying to be fun. You know what I mean? So discuss, maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I'm, I can't. That's literally so what I said. So I think that this could be an editing problem. I, I would be interested in, in whether the editors have been the same, because when I, when I look at the trailer, for the same movie, right? Right. It looks like so much more fun than the movie was. So I know that what's there is there's a more fun movie there that's been shot here, and we just didn't quite get the edit. That's kind of how I feel about this. Yeah. I mean, it's just like yeah. I I almost wanted it to to be even stupider. Like <laughs> that's that would have that would have been even better for me. But tonally, it doesn't have the energy of a hurricane heist that we need to really put it over the well, top. And I you think know what I mean? You, well, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. It's like uh, all the world is basically just falling apart because the moon is getting ever closer. And the three people that are trying to save it uh, never really feel like they've got a sense of urgency about it. They're more concerned with their <laughs> their family units falling apart and that sort of thing, rather than making sure that not everybody on the planet fucking dies because the moon is going to crash into it. It's just, there's a disconnect somewhere, and I think that's what bothered me the most. Like, even I, the goofiest 50s B-movies, there's that sense like, well, we're all fucked unless something's done. And it's I, just wasn't... A lot easy. of that is really just so that we can establish the ground characters, because... We're going to be cutting from the three of them in space right. to the family <laughs> trying to survive. That's exactly. And it's like you can say, okay, we're, why don't we just ditch the family and just be in space? It's like, because then we don't get to see all that cool shit. It's like the, yeah, the people on it. the ground are just there so that we can see boats flying into the sky yeah. or you know trucks exploding full of like rednecks trying to like steal your gasoline. Yeah. But that's the thing is you've seen 2012 like a thousand times, right, Eric? Right. I mean, that's a safe assumption. Yeah. Uh, so to me, this looked like just the Earth's falling apart. Let's just throw in stock footage from any other Roland Emmerich movie where he throws a big wave at a giant city. That's what it felt like. It didn't seem like any thought went into it. So is this, am I off base with that? Or is, are these somehow different from the other giant waves crashing into stuff from like 2012? See, I think... Well, yeah, low gravity. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> this is like... Um, it's not necessarily different in the level of disaster. I mean, I like seeing it just because it's more disaster. You know, it's like... That's, that's just fun. But the, 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 the reason for the disaster, I think, was more creative. Uh, I, I like the idea of doing the, the whole artificial moon thing. It's right. like he's just found another goofy, weird thing to hang a, a movie on. 2012 yeah. was based on the goofy idea that the Mayan calendar predicted the end of the world. It's like, right. I love that. 
taking like basically what's a bad in search of episode and making it into (laughs) an action movie you know okay i also like that the main characters played by patrick wilson and halle berry do not form a romantic relationship it's like it is never hinted Uh that they will get together it is they never start to get together you never think "Uh oh i think they're gonna get together no they could have both been played by women they both could have been played by men they you know it, it would have never been a relationship thing yeah you know well, on that too, but then his, like, the whole story with Patrick Wilson's character is that he saw the AI hit the moon and their space shuttle mission got fucked up, but nobody believed him. So yeah. there's your stock characters, like, there's something going on and nobody That's a very Roland understands. Emmerich character, yeah. the guy who knows the uh, truth but is too crazy yeah. to be believed. That, that's a very 1950s sci-fi yeah. monster movie of the it's week exactly. character. Yeah, no, yeah. there's there's nothing uh, structurally original about any of these movies. Uh, so he gets drummed out of NASA and becomes a disgrace. And his ex, like, he, like they do like the whole thing 10 years later. And so you see the fallout where he's just struggling. So his wife has moved on, married someone else, uh, played by Michael Pena, who's like a Lexus dealer. So of the family unit, it's like, why do you have to kill the Mexican guy? I mean, that's literally like what it all. Oh, yeah, that's to. right. The father, the, the new stepfather yeah. always dies in a Roland Emmerich yeah. film. It's like if you it's, married the lead character's wife, you have to be dead by the end of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So then you get like the uh, the ending from the abyss where it's like the aliens are discovered and the platforms up and then everybody's meeting. And the, the reconciliation can finally happen. I mean, it's sort of like they just threw Michael Payne's character in there just so that you could see that, yeah, somebody's got to die so that the ex-wife can come back to the husband. I mean, yeah. it's like all these weird, stupid threads. Uh, but when the kids and, the, and like, the nanny are running across the the Rocky Mountains and the bridge falls and you see the moon like barreling down in giant relief in the background creating these gravity waves and they like they do like a super mario brothers jump across the bridge to save themselves yeah. I'm just like, what in the that's the best part of the movie like, what is going on oh and yeah so, no, no to me more I, of that like to me i nearly pissed myself laughing i think i actually started clapping my hands when the moon came like within a half a mile of the surface of the earth it was just like a close yeah. call hit like so funny oh my god oh my yeah so it's just stuff like that that makes me almost appreciate it but at the same time it's just wasted on this it it brought me great great joy watching this because it yeah it knows what it is and should it cost that much it really should not but well it doesn't matter it's like it is what it is and what it is is so entertaining i think most of the budget went to donald sutherland's cameo do you think he just he just like shows no, up for maybe that was probably five, just a favor yeah, yeah he just shows up for like five minutes i'm like is donald sutherland really in a wheelchair or is that just his character in a wheelchair because he's old I, either way they sold to listen dude you don't even have to stand yeah. okay you can just sit <laughs> you just phone we it need in you for yeah. like 30 minutes yeah. let's just get this done and and you get paid yeah, yeah. you yeah. remember when you did uh, the remake of invasion of the body snatchers with that, that kind of vibe man just do that <laughs> Here's $10 million. I mean, yeah. Remember when you did Backdraft 30 years ago? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I'm, yeah. I'm always amazed at the casts that Emmerich gets for these things. Like, just people just sign up left and right. I mean, this one's more B-movie cast than some of his others. Uh, but he's got an Oscar winner in there with Halle Berry. He's got Patrick Wilson, who's 
admittedly just in whatever he can he, get. He picks yeah, bad Patrick stuff, Wilson but was he in is the very previous, good. Yeah. yeah, he was in he was in Midway, right? So yeah, yeah. so he knew what he was getting yeah. to do. Uh, and then Sutherland, obviously, and then you get uh, John Bradley, who is uh, Sam from Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, so yeah. there's comic as relief the, again. As the yeah, as the mega structuralist, is that a thing? That's what I kept trying to figure out. Like, well, that's that's the apparently the thing Eric's all into. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. The moon is, there, is made of cheese yeah, or whatever. There, it's a, yeah, yeah it's, it's a massive structure, and the idea is uh, he, he mentions Dyson spheres, but you know, it doesn't yeah, go into yep. it. But a Dyson sphere is such a neat idea. You build basically a shell structure sphere around a, a star or a dead star, or and you just collect all of its energy. Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. we're not going to spend too well, much time on that because that's, you know, it's like, that's nothing yeah, well, more than a reason to do all this shit. But yeah. Well, then when you get to the actual, like, moon and they're flying around inside and you see all the architecture and stuff and it's like these basic just giant iron rings that looks like a gyroscope. I'm like, so when does Thor show up to, like, create yeah. his new hammer? I mean, that literally is the, the yeah. vibe I got because it's like, it's just they're borrowing so much stuff that you've seen from other well, things. Well, though Thor, really, that was a Dyson Sphere. I mean, that was another yeah. one because the other idea exactly. of a Dyson sphere is you don't necessarily have to make like a whole sphere around it. You just need enough points around the star to collect its energy. And that's what they did in yeah. Thor. And, well, but they didn't call and, it a Dyson know, sphere. So, well, and, you know, not to be confused with a Faraday cage. So yes. yeah. just know, know that right now. Physics fans. If you're a fan of the level of nerdiness in this conversation, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. So up, if you're gonna up. build a Dyson sphere, you don't really need a sphere. You just need the points around. That's it. true. Okay, up. I'm sorry. I know right. things. I'm sorry, <laughs> but read a fucking I'm just, I'm just, book, man. Read a fucking <laughs> yeah, book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How dare you? How dare you accuse me of being a nerd? Now, the thing is, when yeah. he actually meets the aliens, it's completely taken from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. The, oh, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, bit, the bit where, like, you know, the emissary meets with the prophets is the exact same thing they do here where they meet with the uh, the, the the program that's running the moon. Well, well, not only Deep Space Nine, but that whole scene, I mean, that's lifted from other stuff, too, like Mission to Mars, that De Palma, that really awful fucking thing. Where you the, have, like, yeah, a completely white is. void, where you meet yeah, the yeah. thing in a white void. Is they, That's in yeah. Mission to Mars? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's the abyss. It's the and, abyss. Um, and it's la, la, la. Captain Marvel did it. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, oh and yeah, Captain through. Marvel yeah. did do that. That's right. Yeah, and Matrix. To, yeah, yeah, which goes you know all the way back to stuff like two thousand and one again. So it's just sort of uh, just they're lifting all these things that that hint. Okay, that's not as bad then. If seen. everybody does it, yeah, yeah. So it's mm-hmm. kind of wacky. But the thing that freaks me out is uh, when you look at the the cast that he almost had for this. So instead of John Bradley, you could have had Josh Gad as the crazy scientist. Do you think that would have been better? Uh no, worse? I tire of Josh Gad, frankly. Okay. I like uh, John Bradley in this. What's yeah. up with John Bradley? I like him in uh, this too. Well, I like that they maybe, didn't even Maybe it hits harder if you watched Game of Thrones cuz he I was guess. a big deal in Game of Thrones. So. I, I also I like when he's when the thing is, he's the you know he actually knows what's going on, and everyone thinks he's a goof. If it had been yeah. John Gad, then he would have just been a goof the whole time. But when this guy tells you the real shit that's happening, it's you know believable. You know, it's not just right. somebody being a goof. He actually knows what's going on. Yeah. Ah, uh, 
I just like that they didn't try to disguise his English accent and they actually wrote it in the script where, you know, he was born in England and then came over to the States and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, I always appreciate it when they don't force them to do accents they're probably not good at. Yeah. So I applaud them there. The thing that they did do, and again, not, you can't criticize it too hard because this is a disaster movie thing, right? But they're, they're having their meeting of the, whatever, the people who believe the moon is a, the structuralists or whatever, and they're having it at, like, the Holiday Inn in L.A., where no building is really taller than, like, three stories. <laughs> and, 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 like, they, the building is flooding, and they go upstairs, which means you're totally stranded in this, you yeah. know, oasis, because it's L.A. and everything's, you know, parking lots apart. And then they, like, take a nap. And then they go back downstairs. Yeah, and then they take a nap, and they go back downstairs, and it's like, wait, Guys, it's, flood. Yeah. Flood? It's like the flood comes in and it's like suddenly it's like, okay, we're good. We live here now. And then suddenly, like two scenes later, the army shows up to collect the scientist and his. Well, the uh, water's receding. Buddy. The water's receded because yeah. the moon went over the horizon. So the gravity sure. was the gra- yanking at And the gravity, yeah, and the gravity wave dissipated. I got you. And so, uh, but, and the, the streets sense. were all wrecked from the flood. I mean, when they're, yeah. they're hauling the space shuttle to the launch site, it's, you know, it's in. You know, a vast wasteland that looks like, you know, the the Rodney King riots. Yeah. Well, I will give you this. The the, the joke that did land for me was when they they get the old Endeavor space shuttle out of the museum and someone had already uh, vandalized it <laughs> with fuck the moon. Yeah. And then they, it had gas. It was already fueled up. Yeah. Like, because that's the thing. They, yeah. they, the shuttles in the museum yeah. have gas in well, them. Well, the fact that they're, like, towing it through the streets... Uh, with you know, oh, boat with God. boats and trucks and whatever in the way, it's like they're just really uh, ringing this out for all it's worth. But then you get the the shuttle on the launch pad, and Halle Berry makes a joke. She's like, "Do you think with all this time, uh, we could have just uh, maybe painted over that because <laughs> it's the shuttle on the launch pad that says fuck the moon'?" And it just that to me just that landed somehow. I think that 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 sums up the whole thing for me. Moonfall. <laughs> fuck the moon. That should have been the tagline. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and digital oh. filmmaking at its finest because in the preview it says "screw the moon." Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Those, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's one of those different effect shots in the trailer situations. So, yeah. So yeah, that look for that on TNT when it airs next month. That's basically what the deal will be. <laughs> but it, yeah, but it's just I don't know. I mean, I don't. I can't speak to Patrick Wilson's oove because everything I've seen him in has basically been stuff like this. Uh, so he's pretty much <laughs> holding his own, uh, but Halle Berry just looks like she's phoning it in. You know what I mean? It's just, she always she, does. Yeah, I'm okay, no so, fan so, of hers. She's she's a very weak uh, actress. But if you get good, Here, here's the yeah. thing, Chris. You ask, how do they get these people? Money. Money yeah. She she knows that she doesn't have to try hard. She's gonna get paid, and why not? Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, I don't know. I I think uh, from what I read, like Emmerich had been developing the project at like universal or some studio and but it was in pre-production for so long that they lost the rights and so he got them back so he basically just like uh like corman used to do or or in or like canon or any of those guys he just took it to can film festival and just shopped it around until he got like this like wide cabal of money men to throw shit at this like shit at the screen it's like when you watch a movie and it starts out and you get 10 minutes of just nothing but uh, <laughs> banners for production companies, you know you're in for a good ride. Yeah. 
Am I incorrect there? Because it's like, oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I cannot for the life of me understand why it's necessary to put the big animated banner up immediately followed by the exact same words, but now as part of the movie titles. Like, just put know. the banner up. Yeah. I don't need to see, you know, it's production the company presents. Yeah. yeah. It's like they're yeah. contracted but for one. And, oh, but I want my then, splash screen, too, so that they know it's yeah. me. And now everybody oh, does a splash screen. Yeah, well, and they did yeah. it. Well, in this one too, they did it with all of like the 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 news footage stuff to kind of set the scene. Yeah. So I guess you have some sort of context for what's going on. Uh, I appreciate that more than when they do just the drawn out like five notes of music over ten hundred banners. Yeah. And it just sort of like lulls you into submission until the the actual title comes up and then you're like, "Oh, oh, the movie. Okay. I've yeah. my popcorn's already finished, but I'm ready to roll, man." I don't that's I don't good. think that's necessarily as bad a thing as it is when you see 20 names come up as producer, executive producer <laughs> exactly. or associate yeah. producer because then that means yeah. there are individuals who actually think they know what they're doing. Yeah. You watch Discovery, uh Star Trek Discovery, there are 22 goddamn producers on each episode. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of chefs in one kitchen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it shows. But for this one, it just <laughs> uh, it's it's good concept, good title, reasonable execution. But it's literally like every other Roland Emmerich movie I have ever seen. Yeah. Just done. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like the Cliff Notes version. It's you know the what? Notes it's version. a Rorschach test. It's it's how here's a Roland Emmerich movie. Coming up on the program. Latest disaster porn epic, Moonfall, which proves the age-old adage from Spinal Tap. There's a fine <laughs> line between it's clever a, yeah. and stupid. It's kind of like it's a taco podcast. wrapped. Yeah, it's a taco wrapped in a burrito that they fry with some nacho chips on top. Yeah. Oh, it's got extra cheese this time, and people that are stoned love it. And the the, the shells it. are made out of Doritos. Exactly. It's like yeah. that's all okay. I want. That I want the same thing, just that's, a little yeah. different. Yeah, that's. I guess that's it. Moonfall is the Doritos Loco Taco of disaster movies, <laughs> right? I think people who I are will stoned go with that. love it. Yeah. I, I yes. will go with okay. that. I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. You're looking for like like a nutritious meal, and I'm oh, looking no. for something because I'm drunk. Yeah, I mean, yay! I mean, trust me. It's like this has been a rough two years, and I am so uh just empty inside and i look for stuff that's just total garbage to fill my time <laughs> and this one i couldn't even muster the strength for it's like we were i like brian went and saw it in the theater and i'm assuming you did too eric and then uh like we kicked it around and then brian just on a whim just in our chat thread just said oh by the way moonfall is available out now i'm like okay fuck it let's just do that whatever i mean that's literally <laughs> like my feeling for it. so i think i'm just the wrong audience for this thing i mean in fairness you go listen to the show where i brought it to the fresh shit i'm like it's not gonna be a hurricane heist episode but <laughs> yeah. yeah sure you know so let me posit this to you eric being the uh the emmerich scholar of right. the group uh where would you rate this in his canon? Uh, well, let's see. It's behind uh, uh, 2012, obviously. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, it, it's about on par with the day after tomorrow. You know, which I th actually no, it's better than the day after tomorrow. But it's like okay, it's a lot of his films. You know, but yeah. it's it this. I think as he progresses with each one of his his his. his 
he directs films, but they're not Roland Emmerich films. Do you know what I mean? Like like right. Midway yeah. is him directing a film, but it's not this shit. This yeah. I mean, every time a, he does one of these movie, but yeah. yeah, his disaster uh, uh, oove. Every time he does a new one, he basically pulls from his previous work the shit that worked. It's like right. there's stuff in here from Independence Day Resurrection or whatever that was. Yeah. The the second the sequel. He pulls stuff out of that into this that worked and leaves behind all the shit that didn't. I like that. I, I So he's I, almost so so he's like a chef almost. He's derivative. He's derivative okay. of himself, but he's derivative in a way I can appreciate because he's trying to make the material okay. more fun. Yeah, I get that. Okay, I'll agree with that because yeah, if you compare him to someone who's similar, uh, but who's had much more success, Michael Bay. Yeah, uh, I will take Roland Emmerich over Michael De- Bay uh, right. anytime, right. any day. Of the yeah, week. at least Roland Emmerich understands that it's stupid and f- supposed to still be fun. Michael yeah. Bay is just a sadist who wants to whack the audience <laughs> over the head. Right. Basically. Um, um, well, all I know yeah. is when, when I saw Moonfall was coming out, I immediately hoped that it was a sequel to Moon 44 or a prequel. I'm like, it's it's got Moon in the title. It's by Roland Emmerich. Can we just please get some helicopters and canyons so, again? So what, what, <laughs> yeah, what, what, this, what this conversation has, has made me realize is I want him to go further than he did with Independence Day. I think we're, Roland Emmer- the next frontier for Roland Emmerich is that he needs to go to some other entirely, not the Earth, okay? We need right. to do some world building on an alien world or a fantasy setting or whatever, and he needs to unleash havoc in fantastical ways on that setting, right? Like, let's let's just stop breaking new york city and and <laughs> next but, level this shit i guess that's another thing yeah. the reason he keeps wrecking you know new york city is contextually you, you know these places and you get to watch them die unfortunately yeah. he is running out of places we all know it's like he has destroyed yeah, the well, vatican a couple of times he's destroyed paris he's destroyed new york he's destroyed la it's like what, what do we what do we look, got you know, left. <laughs> Every effect shop at this point, or at least ILM, has got like incredibly detailed, fully destructible models of the Golden Gate Bridge in New York City at this point, and they're just recycling those assets because they invested in that. You yeah. know, and, mm, here's we got to blow it up again. Here's my suggestion, and maybe, and this is more for you, Eric, because I just want to know if you would be on board. Uh, so, uh, let's say uh, they they decide for some reason, and he agrees uh, because. Denis Villeneuve just steps down, so they get Emmerich to to, to Dune Messiah. Like, that would be his next feature. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can you picture that? That would be amazing. But but it's like, he would skip all the intricacies of uh, uh, the the court drama, and he would just stick with the jihad (laughs) part. Yeah, Yeah, just blow shit up. That'd be awesome. Okay. Okay, here's a concept. Okay, let's let's pitch our idea for a Roland Emmerich film if we're doing that. Mine is here's okay, it would be Planet America. And basically the Earth is about to be destroyed by, you know, something, and aliens come to rescue us, and they take everyone except the people who uh, the citizens of America. They say, you know what? You guys are assholes. We don't want you anywhere near us. And so they take the rest of the planet's population with them, <laughs> and we are left alone on the planet to to be destroyed or figure a way out. Yeah, yeah. And what's and they yeah they they set the oceans to boil 
You got to do something <laughs> like that because you have to have some sort of destruction scenes. Yeah, I've been watching a great uh, History Channel docu series on YouTube called Mega Disasters: Ten Ways the uh, the Earth Will Be Destroyed, <laughs> and it's like ten different things about ten different disasters. One of them is like a gamma ray. The other is we fall into the sun. The other is we collide with a rogue planet. You know, it's we fall into a black hole. There mm-hmm. are all these different ways to destroy the Earth that are so wildly entertaining. He could pick from any of these. Agreed. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with get off of Earth entirely and start coming up with new and novel weapons oh, and structures right. and things with which you can kill stuff. Like Ooh, that is so quaint. Oh, so quaint. How about how about not um. I don't know what you would call it. Not a reboot, maybe a side boot, uh, but basically something taking place in the universe of Starship Troopers. I was thinking about that, except it's a little close to, to Independence Day. I was definitely there with you. Well, I mean, hell, give him Jupiter Ascending. Nobody cares about that universe. Go blow that up. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, or something. I don't know. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Have, yeah. we, have, have we done it? Yeah, we're Roland there. Emmerich's enemy mine. Yeah, do it. <laughs> All right, kids. It's the show. If you like the show, subscribe to the show. If you like the show, share it with your friends on your social media feeds. Rate it on iTunes. Help us grow the show because you like it. And don't you want somebody else to like the things you like? Of course you do. Smash that button. Smash the button. Smash it. All right. Um, yeah, if you want to hear old episodes of the show, do all that. If you, if you don't do all that, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, and there you'll find links to all the ways to contact us. You can find us on Twitter, we're at maghuge, Instagram and Facebook with Magnificently Huge Podcast, and as always, you can email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com, and join us next week when we find another way to blow up the world. Victory for Ukraine! <laughs>